Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Earlier in the show, we talked about LeBron James' record-setting night, smashing a record, scoring record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that had stood for nearly 40 years, set back in 1984. Um, and now we're looking at a new record held by LeBron James, and maybe that one doesn't end up being broken because... A, he's going to keep playing, and B, only one person, LeBron, has actually uh, matched that total. As part of this conversation, we dove a little bit into the weight of expectations, and I wanted to continue that part of the conversation because now, Bump, we can dig in uh, to some other athletes and, and kind of what goes into that. I mean, you're a former athlete. You've been a coach. Um, you have kids who play sports. You have had friends who have gone on to play in college or gone pro or not gone on to um, to play after high school. And whenever we have conversations about expectations, I feel like it's always really important to keep in mind how heavy those can weigh on you. Expectations, they're, they're great because that means that people think highly of you and you've shown them promise to where they're able to confidently say, this is what this young man or woman should do in the future. Expectations can be heavy as well. Because then you know that people are counting on you to do something. And mentally, it can weigh on a lot of people. When you're crowned the king at 17 years old, like King was. James, yeah. my guy LeBron was uh, was crowned that at 17. I remember him playing for what? The school, Irish. What's the name of the school, Curtis? St. Vincent, St. Mary's. There you go. Irish, green and gold. Guys had his jersey when I was in high school. LeBron is graduated 03. I'm class 04. Him. Dudes were wearing his jersey because they bought into the hype. Then he gets to the league, and he doesn't disappoint at all. Mm. He is now the leading scorer of all time in the NBA, fourth when it comes to assists, has four championships. Now, he's been to the finals a whole bunch of times, all right? But he has four championships, two or three league MVPs, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Text line, I know you will because you're always good for holding me accountable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he didn't disappoint. And he did it without being in any type of trouble. Raising young men. I think he has a daughter as well. Um, being a great husband and doing it for three different franchises, too. You won a championship with your hometown, Cleveland. You won a few over there with Miami. And then you come to L.A. and you win a championship here. All he's done is win. Is he the basketball player that I would build and say, this is the dude I want to be? No, nah, not my cup of tea. I'm more of a, a skilled um, shooting guard type of guy. LeBron can play every position out there as well. I think it was 1979 or 78, Magic Johnson gets drafted, and um, they go to the finals against the Sixers, and he plays center. Magic Johnson played every position on the court. LeBron's the only other dude that I can remember who played it effectively. Mm-hmm. His greatness is, I mean, you can't you can't doubt it. Now, me having the L.A. bias that I do have, I grew up a Kobe fan, and it was always, thank you, 253 says four MVPs for LeBron. I knew the text lines would get me. Um, and uh, I grew up with a bias, Kobe, 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 Kobe. Because during that time, Kobe's a bit older than LeBron. Um, you got this young star on the rise, and everybody's gravitating towards him. So watching him do what he did last night made me sit and reflect on his whole career and really look at it and be like, man, this guy is something special. 
Uh, doesn't have the greatest jumper, even though he has a lot of game winners in the playoffs. Um, he rebounds. He passes the ball. High IQ, high character person. No denying that if you come with enough facts and stats about LeBron, you can now, in my eyes, officially sit at the table and win arguments about him being the greatest because he has done something that nobody who's ever played in the NBA has been able to do. Well, and part of that legacy, like you mentioned, isn't just the records and achievements he's been able to have, like the scoring record that he just reset the other night, um, but also the ability to have a career that's been so consistent. Like there's never been this long stretch of like LeBron's awful, Mm -hmm. right? He's been pretty consistent. He's had like down ish years, but they were still good. Like he's also been, um, someone who like at the end of his career, you couldn't say anything about him being a bust, not meeting expectations, not doing it. And to be able to do that is like, there are guys that still have great feats and accomplishments that still don't meet expectations. Curtis, you've talked about Bryce Harper before. The Now, again, I'm not comparing any of these athletes in terms of the level of expectations, only that there were high expectations facing LeBron. There were high expectations facing uh, Bryce Harper, both from when they were teenagers. And with Harper, you have people literally being like, eh, you know, he didn't really turn out to what you thought he would uh, be. He won two MVPs. Exactly. He carried the Phillies to the World Series this last year. I mean, it... What stinks about Bryce Harper is that the Nationals won the World Series the year immediately after his departure. So people are like, oh, well, you don't have to have a guy like Bryce Harper on your team to win a World Series. It's like, man, I would take him over a lot of guys in the league right now. Where would the Phillies have been last year if if Harper hadn't just gone nuclear in the playoffs like he did? Um, and, And he had expectations heaped on him when he was you know, 16 years old. Bryce Harper, also on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the title of Baseball's Chosen One. Mm -hmm. Like, in homage to the LeBron cover, you know, about a decade prior to that. Um, But he's had the weight of the world heaped on him for a long time. And I don't think he's, you know, I I think he has met expectations. Uh, I don't know if he's, like, exceeded them, but he's definitely met expectations of being a all-star level player, MVP caliber player, and probably on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. Who are some athletes you can think of that had some of the highest expectations or greatest expectations you can remember, even if they didn't meet them, even if they were a bust? Being labeled the chosen one is pretty hard to surpass. But Yeah, uh, Grant Hill coming out of Duke oh, yeah, had weird. really high expectations. Never won a, did he win a championship? Uh, no, he never did. Never won a championship. High expectations for Grant Hill. Um, you remember uh, Freddie Adu? Yeah, soccer player, fourteen, fourteen years old, playing mm-hmm. in the MLS. Everybody That's what I'm saying. He was fourteen. Gonna, yeah. Everybody thought he was going to be the hero of American soccer, and I mean, he had a respectable career playing internationally, but never became a super duper star. Well, and like what ends up happening is sometimes it works out. Like sometimes you meet. I mean, locally. Again, not the chosen one on Sports Illustrated, but Julio Rodriguez was the top prospect for the Mariners. Right. He debuts. Kind of a tough start in April, but then he meets and exceeds everything. I mean, you remember specific moments about like, oh, they need a lot of runs to get back in this. What's that? He just hit a grand slam. Like there were just moments where you were like storybook. This is storybook. This is the best guy they've had on here uh, since Griffey as far as kind of like taking everyone's breath away or surprising people or kind of capturing attention. Um, There are some people that just find ways to meet that and I don't know how they do it. And then others that don't. And there are lots of reasons they don't, but sometimes I feel 
bad. Like, I feel bad for a 17-year-old getting that label, for a 14-year-old getting that label. Shoot. Because once you have that label, like, the fact that LeBron's been able to do it, when you are labeled the chosen one or the savior of something, the savior of soccer, the chosen one in baseball, the chosen one in case of LeBron, it's almost impossible to meet those expectations. Yeah. You know who is uh, doing it before our very eyes right now? Trevor Lawrence. He, out of high school, he was, they were calling him football Jesus. He was the guy. <laughs> you go to Clemson, you win one or two national championships over there. You get to the league. You had a down rookie year. People are starting to wonder, and now he's starting to bounce back. We could see him. Uh, I want to go back to a a conversation or an argument that I keep seeing mm-hmm. and hearing from people when it comes to LeBron. They're saying, look, he just played longer than anybody. You know, he. you look at... He accumulated. Uh, exactly. He said, oh, he played for 20 years. He scored all these points. It's not about how many points. It's about points per game. All this stuff. And I'm looking, I go, does longevity not mean anything? The fact that you're able to take care of your body and perform at a high level for a long time is part of being a great athlete, being able to push through all injuries. Do you think LeBron plays at 100% every single day? I guarantee you he is sore right now dropped 38 last night as a 38 year old he is sore I just don't like that because they were able guys like him and Tom Brady were able to take care of their bodies and perform at a high level for a long time it's like disregard it's like oh he just played longer than anybody else that's hard to do if it was easy we see more people doing that Kareem played until he was 42 years old LeBron outscored Kareem in 150 games less than Kareem so I, I guess I, I get where you're coming from, but I don't like it because that's part of being great is being available and pushing through stuff. Well, and you could add caveats slash caveats, however you say it, to uh, to any sport in any era. Like, okay, oh, LeBron played so many games. You're right. Like, then then why hasn't anyone else come close to this record? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was so easy, then why hasn't anyone else played 20 seasons? Right? Like, there's a skill within that, which is, to your point, is exactly what you said, and I like that. But, like, Curtis, you pointed out baseball being, like, you can't look at, for any era in any sport, you can't take away from someone without also admitting that other eras had their own benefits. Yeah. I mean, in baseball, pre-Jackie Robinson, there were no... Half of eligible players were playing. exactly. Like, Babe Ruth was not playing against the very best of the best. And And to get back to LeBron and people saying... Oh, he's just accumulating stats at this point in his career. Dude's averaging over 30 points a game at the age of 38. Like, he's among the league leaders in scoring. Uh, He's got eight and a half rebounds a game, seven assists. Like, these are all in line with his career averages. And any player in basketball would kill to put up that kind of stat line. And he's doing it in his 20th season at Mm -hmm. age 38. Like, that's absurd. Uh, Someone said, forgot to mention Tiger Woods. As someone he, facing high expectations. He lived up. My man was on late night shows yeah. at three. Three years old hitting golf balls. That's another good one. Jamarcus Russell, very famous man. bust. Ooh. One of the most famous busts, obviously. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of these where it's like everyone thought this guy would be a savior and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I can think of 10 of those stories for every one where it worked out. And, of course, there are plenty of stories where it's like this guy's supposed to be great and he ends up being an okay starter, right? Like, there's a dude drafted in front of Jordan. What's his name from the Sam, Trailblazers? Sam Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like some of these guys end up being fine, but like meeting everyone's hopes feels, I can't imagine that. Wait. So, so many things have to go right 
And you have to be as good or better than everyone thought. Yeah. A lot of things have to align for you. You have to handle situations accordingly. You have to deal with failure. You have to deal with successes. It's not an easy path. All we see is the end result. We see 38,000 points and say, man, it was great. We don't know what went on at home with mm-hmm. family, financials, trying to figure things out. Everyone in, in our in our day-to-day, we, we have challenges, right? And when you are in under the microscope, like the way these athletes are, and everything you do is being judged and critiqued and the mental challenges you have to go through, things have to go right for you and you have to execute. You got to go out there day in and day out and execute and perform. And I think that's what makes it impressive. A guy mentioned Tiger Woods going out there. Tiger Woods was number one in the world for like 600 weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. No one's touching that. No one is touching that. You know how consistent you have to be with your approach in anything to be the best for so long. So uh, enjoy the ride. Enjoy watching this. And me, and this is coming from a guy who was not a LeBron dude, who grew up thinking, ah, he's all right. It's all Kobe and MJ. If I can get to this point where I'm looking at LeBron and saying, Man, he's he's one of the goats. You got to respect. Well, him. and what you have to do because you are a Tiger Woods guy. You're a big fan of Tiger Woods. That if someone touches that record and surpasses that record of being number one for how 600 weeks or whatever, respect. It doesn't like whatever era you're playing in, whatever strength coaches you have that uh, or, or advantages you have that weren't available in 2000 or 2003 or 2004, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you just have to be like, hey, you did it. You respect. Did it. You did it. Like you just. You have to acknowledge greatness when you see it. And because the world changes, the circumstances around that greatness do too. But greatness and achievements and accomplishments are still great. Um, Allen and Kirkland, this is a good one who who do uh, flopped low-key. Not even low-key, he flopped. Marcus Dupree, running back for Oklahoma, was the best thing out there and just couldn't figure it out. Every year, there's a kid who's ranked – Top five in basketball, football, baseball, soccer, or anything in high school right now mm-hmm. who's going to, I'm doing air quotes, flop when it comes to expectations, but might just be a a solid college or, yeah. or a professional player. Oh, then there's the sad stories. I, I don't know if it's sad. It's kind of your own doing. But Johnny Menzel being one on here. I don't know that he was like huge in um, – Obviously, in college, it was Johnny football, but still drafted what, 23 overall. Like, he yeah, was passed man. over. There were enough red flags where I think people had kind of clued into, like, I don't know if this guy's yeah. the guy. There was still but enough he had a desire. There. I mean, yes. Jerry Jones, apparently. The, the fame s- was there. The story goes that Jerry Jones was held back from turning in the Cowboys draft card with Johnny Manziel's name on it because he so desperately wanted him in a Cowboys uniform. Um, so it's not like teams were shying away from him during the draft process. It's just that it blew up in the Browns' face in a in a dramatic way. Yeah. He was out of the league, I think, just after his second year. Yeah. Also, people are like, Stacy, the Tiger Woods, number one for over 11 years is never... It's, it's an example. <laughs> I'm using it as an example of an athlete that, um, that Bump grew up watching, really, really appreciates, and if a record set by that athlete is ever broken. I'm not saying it will be like, that's, I'm not, mm-hmm. that's not what example. I'm saying. I used it as a random example of like that. No matter what you have to acknowledge, like, and by the way, Kareem's record stood for 40 years. Hey, can we stop saying 40? Okay. 39 years. Thank you. The Goodness bump, gracious. As someone born the year 40. after this record was set, them. would very much like for us to remind you. Throwing hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to four down territory. <laughs> 
This is Four Down Territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, the NFL Combine will take place on February 28th. Why do you love and hate this event? One, I hate it because they did not invite me and there was no reason for me not to be invited. But you know what? It humbled me and made me the man I am today. Fair. All right. Two. I like it because I love to see young men compete. You see them running, jumping, throwing, catching. These are the best athletes in the world on a football field, in my humble opinion. And I love seeing these guys compete. I also hate it because these dudes can fool you. I play with a couple guys who can jump really high, who can jump really far, can run really fast, but they cannot ball. You touch that football field, they look lost out there. Here are a few examples of guys who've been just underrated. Cam Chancellor ran a 4.69. They said he was too slow. Guess what? Four-time Pro Bowler. Anquan Bolden ran a 4.71. One of the toughest receivers I know to this day. I love watching him play. Antonio Brown ran a 4.56. You look at him on the football field, man, he's clearly running a 4.3. Changed the game. Was the best receiver in the game for six seasons, in my opinion. You know what I really don't want to hear? that you're going to list out someone who ran a really good 40 and didn't work out because it's... Oh, yeah, I got one. Okay, I got one of those. here we go. He went to the Purple and Gold University yep. here. Yep. John Ross, a good college I'll football player. I'll still claim player. him. I'll still claim him. Still claim him. Ran go a 4 two, two, Didn't really work out. That just shows you that, okay, the 40 is a good indicator, I guess, if he, if he can get separation when running in a straight line. You know how many times I ran in a, a straight line in football? Uh, Only lot? when I was on the kickoff cover team. Okay. And I didn't play kickoff cover very much. Other than that, man, you're <laughs> moving, you're shaking. No, it's not a go route every time. <laughs> I understand it, and I love it, and I hate it at the same time. Go watch film, see if, see if they can play football. Uh, I think, too, it is really cool when the guys that do reach those numbers. I love the examples of guys that were like, hey, they weren't great athletes or didn't have the best numbers, uh, but they ended up being the best at that position or one of the best. I do love the examples always of guys who do have crazy numbers that people think are too good to be true and then actually end up performing. DK Metcalf, Tariq Wollin. Yeah. Some of those are sprinkled in there. Second down. Andy Reid says he isn't interested in, personally, talking about whether the Chiefs are a dynasty. Fair, but maybe we are. So should we consider them a dynasty? We love, this is what we do. Who's the next Jordan? Soon mm-hmm. it's going to be, who's the next LeBron? Yep. Who's the next dynasty? No, the Chiefs are not a dynasty yet. Now, are they on the on the verge of doing something great? Yes, they are. On the verge of winning two Super Bowls in four years. They've been to the conference championship five straight years. 52 wins the last four seasons, the best in the league. Nine playoff wins the last four seasons, best in the league. But a dynasty is all about championships. If Pat Mahomes and the gang win this one, we can start talking about it. We can whisper about it. They win three then we're like for show. Let me tell you some dynasties. These are dynasties. Patriots, 01 to 04, three of them things. <laughs> 2014 to 2018, three of them things. The Steelers, 1974 to 1979, six division titles, the first franchise to win four Super Bowls, and then the 49ers, 1981 to 84, first franchise to win five Super Bowls, and Montana was 4-0 during that run, and then they got a Super Bowl in the 90s. I'm just saying, those are dynasties. Do they have dynasty characteristics right now? Potential. The Chiefs? Yes, for sure. Potential. You got a quarterback. You got one of the greatest coaches of all time. You've been to the conference championship. But dynasty, 
not quite. We're talking AFC Dynasty. Now we're talking about um, Aaron Judge's home run record, right? We're, we're the AL home run record. AL home run record. It's not the real home run record. Are we talking AFC Dynasty? No, nah, man. We're talking about Barry the Bonds whole that home shebang. Run. They're not a dynasty yet, but they got they got dynasty tendencies. Yeah, <laughs> dynasty <laughs> tendencies. Third down. All right, let's take an early look at the 2023 NFL season. Who do you think will be mentioned as one of the best offenses in the NFL? Who do you think uh, will be mentioned that may not be on people's radar today? Man, thank you, this receiver, for, um, you know, talking loud and having me read an article. I'm like, what are you talking about, dog? Let me see what you're talking about. And then Christian you're like, Kirk. I stand corrected. And I was like, yeah, all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm humble. I can do that. And he goes, look, I want some respect of my name. And I go, what you do, Christian? So you reset the wide receiver market. You got paid what you do. 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. Then I start looking in. I go, okay. Zay Jones finished the season tough. Mm. 823 for five touchdowns. You got Etienne over there, the running back. 1,100 for five touchdowns. You got Ingram, who's over in New York, not doing much. You go to Florida. Now you got 766 for four touchdowns. And then QB Trevor Lawrence had 25 touchdowns. Eight interceptions. They were the number 10 offense, the number 10 passing offense, and 14th when it comes to running the football. I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then I'm looking at their division, and I'm saying, y'all can hold this thing down for the next two or three years, and we could be talking about y'all. The Jaguars is a team offensively that we might want to pay attention to. Who knows that all we ever really needed to see the Jags take off was for Urban Meyer to spend one too many hours at a college bar. That's it. Fourth down. Joey Porter Jr. in a mock draft is a reminder that father time is whooping our you-know-what. So what other names in college got to keep you humble? Man, Antonio Gates. Don't like it. He has a junior. He's at Michigan State playing football right now, wide receiver. Chad Pennington, number 10 for your Jets. He's got a guy over there, Marshall, right now. His son, Cole Pennington, is balling. Frank Gore, which doesn't surprise me because yeah. my man played until he could not play no more. His son's at Southern <laughs> Miss. And you got Marvin Harrison. His son will get drafted out of wide receiver U. That's Ohio State. We go to baseball. You got Jackson Holiday. His dad, Matt, played in the league for a while. He was the number one overall pick. Then we got Drew Jones. Andrew Jones's son was a number two overall pick. I'm looking at these names, and I'm saying, Goodness gracious, man. Why, what, what's happening? Life is moving too fast. But I also realize that I did watch their dads play, and they mm-hmm. had me by like eight to nine years or something like that. So it makes sense, but the reality is setting in, and I don't like it. And also 253 um, makes a good point. Jerry Rice ran a 471, but he was a 16th overall pick, so it's kind of like they watched the film on Jerry. Yeah. He ran a 471, but they're like, hold up, man. This young man used to catch bricks. You hear that story about Jerry Rice? No. He used to go to work with his dad. Uh, and his dad used to toss bricks to him. What if it hits you in the back of the head? Hey, you catch it. You can dodge a brick. You can, <laughs> you can dodge a ball. You can dodge a ball. But he was catching them. And, uh, yeah, the Mississippi Valley. Mississippi Valley. My uh, stepsister went to school there. All right, let's see what's on tap. This is What's on Tap with Bump and Stacy, Brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks... What's on tap? I actually need to issue a correction for what's on tap. Earlier, I told you guys that the Kraken's next game uh, was going to be against the Rangers. Silly me, I completely overlooked that they are taking on the Devils tomorrow. I don't want you to miss that game. So, Kraken taking on the Devils tomorrow. That's what's on tap brought to you by Dick's Drive-In. Get your questions in for what I need to know. We're getting to that in about 20 minutes, and I need your questions. Uh, Text them now to the Mac and Jack's text line. Any question you have, 866 979-3776 coming your way next. 
Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. This hour of Bumpin' Stacy is brought to you by Mazda of Everett. Don't forget that if you listen to our podcast, which you can get on almost any platform, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, etc., please rate and review. We would really, really appreciate it. It means a ton to us. Um, I am tracking them on Apple Podcasts, so you can do them on any platform, but most especially if you're using Apple Podcasts, that's where I'm going to find your reviews uh, and uh, any other thing i can't track if you left a star review but i can track if you left uh a, like a funny review that you type out that's when i can see it so um all right uh two things to get to here well actually three the first thing is that i could use more questions send those in for what i need to know any question you have text it now 866-979-3776 the second thing roger goodell is out in arizona at the super bowl of course he is the commissioner of the nfl and uh, he had a great piece of sound on officiating in the league when you look at officiating i don't think it's ever been better in the league there are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds, if not millions, of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes. They are not perfect, and officiating never will. But we've also had... Obviously, replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. Communications between our office, that is not the case the, in the championship game. That, that was stopped appropriately because the clock was running by an official on the field. That happens frequently in our game. That's not an unusual thing. Officiating in the NFL has never been better. Now, he goes on to say that, like, look, here's all these, like, reasonable reasons as to why sometimes there's mistakes, including that people are human. But what I most like is the idea of, yeah, we get some things wrong, but think of all the things we don't get wrong, <laughs> which is what I'm going to start using as an excuse for everything. Yeah, I was late today, but think of all the days when I could have been late and I wasn't. I was here on time because, Raj, look— Raj. Pe- Raj, people are human. People are going to make mistakes. You will never find an NFL season that is absolutely perfect and free of controversial calls because, frankly, sometimes calls are fair or borderline, and the team that hates it is the one that the call goes against, and the other team loves it and thinks it's completely fair. You're going to find a lot of those calls. Then you're going to find calls that are just egregious or wrong or, in the case of taunting penalties, stupid. So there are plenty of areas where the league can continue to improve, Considering you ended the season with some pretty poorly officiated games, including one in which the Seahawks participated, I don't know. I think there's some room to improve here. There's always room to improve. But the thing about the NFL and the relationship with their referees is that they never say they need to improve. It's always, oh, we've had the best year ever. If you break it down, there's 42,000 plays, millions of, of possible. It's like, come on, man. The last thing we saw of you guys is you missing a call on third down. It's not really third down. we got to run this third down again. We messed up our procedure. Or a kid getting pushed out of bounds. I'm not talking about Osai. There's a different play where uh, Cincinnati running back Joe Mix was pushed out of bounds late, but you don't get that call. There are calls where, yeah, you're going to get that call against Pat Mahomes with unnecessary roughness, but you missed the hold by Orlando Brown. So when he says that, he's probably not wrong. But to ignore that there are things you need to get better at specifically um, is what irks me. And 
if you want these referees to be better, you pay them so they don't have to do anything else but referee. Right. They go to clinics. They're at practices. They're at college practices. They're getting reps all throughout the year so they are better prepared for this moment. You know what's messed up about the crew who's uh, doing this uh, this game? Hmm. That they call the most penalties in the league this year, this crew that's doing the Super Bowl. The most penalties in the game this year. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. How do we look at that? Do we uh, want they a could clean either be, game? Yeah, they could either be a really careful crew or a really ticky-tacky crew. And that's the thing. It's like, you know there's room for human error when not only are humans making the calls, but when different ref crews have different uh, levels that they call, right? Like, some are like, oh, they called the least amount. They called the most. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's room for error there. Depending on, you know, who you have as your crew in that game, you you may know, like, oh, they call holding penalties tough. Or, like, uh, they're really, really, you know, strict about defensive pass interference. Like, they will not let you have anything. Um, and that kind of, like, affects a little bit how you play the game. I think what people want to hear with stuff like Roger Goodell, where I will admit there are, are very few areas where Roger Goodell isn't going to be on the losing end of something. Like, no one likes the person in charge. <laughs> so It's not fair. Unless you're Adam Silver. It's just, yeah. Well, it's just a reality of life. It's like, yeah. it's, no one... No one wants to be in Roger Goodell's place. I do. Uh, for $40 million? Yeah. Yeah, I'd do that. You could boo me for $40 million. Boo. Boo me for Boo free. this man. Yeah. Um, I think what people want to hear is like, well, how are you making it better? Like, you still use um, sticks and chains to measure first downs. Like, are you exploring innovations there for measuring when something's a first down? That's all people want to hear. Like, hey, are you exploring having, um, you know, uh, officials after controversial calls do post-game interviews so people can hear? Like, what, you know, We know microchips exist. Yes. The uh, Amazon Next Gen Stats Twitter account said that there are microchips in the footballs already because how do they get those precise measurements? Like, oh, the ball traveled at 74 miles per hour and he had a catch percentage of 14% on this throw. Like, the, the chip is in there. Why don't we start using it for... Uh, other purposes other than just these wild stats, like you, like you said, chains and sticks are, are what decide a lot of these games. Yeah. So I know that it is an unfair ask, but I think everyone would say, oh, I wish that there were fewer moments in the league year where the thing you were talking about after the game was a horrible blown call instead of just the game itself. If you can get rid of uncertainty, why not do it? If you can get as accurate as possible, why not do it? And that's what leads me to believe. I go, man, what's the the union deal with these referees, man? They are tied in with the NFL. It's like they're protecting their job. They're saying, no, we are going to rely on these human beings to make these human errors. And, um, I mean, that's the NFL. It's so hard when you have older people in charge. It's hard for them to veer away from tradition and what how the game looked when they were a kid and how it was played when they were young. Um, so you need to change your leadership a little bit. Look, Roger Goodell has a tough job. Let's let's not deny that he gets paid well, <laughs> forty mil a year. But he's yeah, got a tough job. Yeah, don't feel bad for him. These referees have a tough job, so help them. Use all the resources you can to make sure that we're not having segments talking about just how poor <laughs> officiating is. And look, oh, go ahead, Curtis. Well, you you go ahead. I was gonna say uh, anyone saying uh, it's not right to complain about it is not allowed to complain on Monday if there's a bad call in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Very your text fair. history on the text line. Um, another interesting bullet point that Roger Goodell had in his State of the League address today is that he said Thursday night games could also be flexed. Monday night games are going to start to be flexed here starting next season. But Thursday night games, you're going to have teams playing multiple Thursday night games during a season? That sounds ridiculous. I know. Again, look, 
we These all players look, don't look forward to them at, already. Not no. at all. I think what it does is you just dance around. Hey, uh, we have issues, you know, with uh, how to figure this stuff out with uh, refs because of unions. Hey, um, we have uh, stuff with this flexibility with players because we want better TV contracts. Like, it, there's a business side to it that you have to dance around when you answer these questions. And I think that's when people get kind of frustrated because they're like, just be transparent. Just say, like, you know, hey, we're really wanting to get 18 games on here. So <laughs> just say it with your chest, Rod. Say it with your chest. Come on. I have so many good questions here for what I need to know. Um, but I'll take some. I might save some if I get too many and save them for tomorrow. So if you send yours in and you don't hear it, you might still hear it tomorrow. But I could use more. 866-979-3776. Get your questions in for what I need to know. Bump, would you be able to ask the, or answer this question? The 425 says, what's your most embarrassing sports moment of your career? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? How, is it a story we've heard? I don't think so. Oh, it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Hey, last thing here, um, continuing on with the conversation about refereeing, I think some people are saying, like, hey, what more do you want people to do? It's a game. Use like there's going to be mistakes your in resources. It. That's it. That's yeah. all I ask. Simple solution. Try all right. some things. Get your questions in for what I need to know, 866-979-3776. Your questions, our answers next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. It's What I Need to Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. You send your questions in, any question you have, as we wrap up the show, and we answer them. It's a mix of sports and non-sports, just to keep it fun and light as we wrap this thing up. So here we go. Oh, the Mac and Jack's text line is where you're sending these, by the way. 866-979-3776. All right, I'm going to start with this one, which is what I teased in the last segment. Bump. What is your most embarrassing sports moment of your career? The listener, by the way, sends in theirs. They said, my most embarrassing sports moment, to answer the question myself, is in high school, a state playoff game. I was getting off the bus and walked right into the girls' bathroom thinking it was the locker room in front of the opposing fans and team. Ooh. <laughs> then you got to come out. Sorry. Yeah, I meant to go through that door. That's embarrassing. My, my moments are more on the field. Um, I ran. I always heard the term, like, snot bubbles, right? Not... Well, hit them so hard, they got snot bubbles. I'm like, man, I'm never getting hit like that. What are you talking about? So we're playing Beverly Hills High School. I run a slant. The guy who hits me ends up being one of my teammates in college. His name is Lorenzo Bercy. And he hits me so hard in my stomach, snot just flies out of my nose. Is there a video or photo of it? There's a photo of it. Oh, God. And I have to go to the sideline and take my helmet off. And there's this snot like I'm a two-year-old who refuses to let his parents wipe their nose. And my boy's like, oh, snot bubbles, he got you. And I'm like, all right. And I ended up being my teammate, Lorenzo Bercy. Oh, that's tough. Someone said my most embarrassing sports moment was one time I stood on second base on a warm-up pitch, not realizing there had been a pitching change after a coach's visit. (laughs) Um, What I need to know, would you prefer that, we were talking about refing, would you prefer that your team barely lose a perfectly officiated Super Bowl or win because of, of because of objectively atrocious refing? Win, baby. Win. Yeah. At all costs. <laughs> you will hear me complaining about refing uh, all day today and then doing the exact opposite if my team wins. The game's the game. Uh, what I need to know, what's your guys' plans for Valentine's Day? 
Valentine's Day. When's that on the fourteenth? Great question. Thanks Next for the reminder. Tuesday. Yeah. Thanks. You guys are welcome for listeners. Make sure uh, you take care of your wives here. Hey, it's my wife's birthday today. I got to get through today first. Oh, I saw oh, a picture man. of the cake. The cake is great. Yeah. How do you how do you handle? birthday being so close to valentine's day like yeah i look, I, I imagine jen makes you celebrate both oh yeah, yeah. i look at my bank account and i cry is what i do <laughs> i just cry <laughs> what i need to know brock told a story where he tried to scramble and practice and coach holmgren was like oh bless your heart sarcastically mm-hmm. bump did you have any of those moments with your coach like where you tried to do something fancy and he was like bless your heart nah i got it done son Ooh, i got it done wow. son what I need to know, can Russ get back to his Hall of Fame self, and what's he need to do that? Oof, good question. Hall I think Sean Payton's self. the first step, honestly. Yeah, get you with needed Payton. a new head coach. Get with Payton and listen. Take the open pass. Take your first read. Run the football. Suggest to run the football. Be a good teammate. Hang out with your boys. And don't give no PC answers to stuff. Yeah. Drop an F-bomb every now and then to I let them know you're not Russ. a narc. Who's, uh, whose legacy <laughs> do you think is more up in the air in Denver. Is it Sean Payton's or is it Russell Wilson's? It's like, if Sean Payton doesn't win in Denver... People will blame it on Russ. Russ had the bad year first. But let's say Mm -hmm. Russ has a bad year this upcoming season and is gone going into 2024, and Sean Payton still can't win with whoever he chooses to be his guy. Well, then maybe it's Sean, but I am betting now that Sean Payton lasts longer than Russell Wilson. Yeah, for sure. I am too. Yeah. Uh, good question, though. I think I think Russ's legacy is more impacted because last year, it's not only that last year was bad on the field, it's it's that it suddenly became like public enemy number one in terms of making fun of someone. And some of it was unfair where it was like piling on and you were like, geez, I mean, yeah. the guy's like kind of weird and like not personable, but <laughs> he's not like a horrible person. Um, all right. Uh, what I need to know, what movie should I watch this weekend? I'm not big on movies, guys. Like, I do a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Movies? Nah, I have time you, for a movie. If you, seen, uh, if you haven't seen You People on Netflix, that's good. Oh, it was good. I did just watch yeah. that. I love Lauren London. Um, we watched the... Uh the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix. Was it good? It I was really good. On my watch list. It was really good. Uh, you view her in a much different light than you did uh, what during the height of her popularity. I felt that after the Pam Anderson show that was on Hulu, where I was, it was just a much more sympathetic character. Uh-huh. It was weird that she reportedly didn't really like the show because I thought it portrayed her in a really positive light, or at least a better, a sympathetic. Well, I light. think the Netflix documentary is kind of her being able to control every her, aspect, which is of fair. Control the yeah. your own story. Yeah. Uh, what I need to know: um, Would you? Oh. What will the Seahawks do at number five? What would you want them to do? Trade back? Question mark? CJ is available at five, I could see a world where they take him. I don't think he's going to be available. I think that you got to go big boys. Anybody in the box. Best player in the box defensively, you go get them. Yeah, I want to see them. uh, Outside linebacker defensive lineman, even an interior guy. Like, I'm, I'm cool with all of it. Defense. Defense is exactly what I would love to see them do. Um, what I need to know, is it better for a team to perpetually lose in the first round or two of the playoffs or make it to the conference championship but still miss the Super Bowl? So, like, what would you rather do? Conference championship. Extend that season. I'm okay with a greater heartbreak if it meant you were excited for longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you went to, you went to a conference championship. Mm-hmm. It's still something to be proud of. 
Um, what I need to know, if you could have one in the next three years, what would you have? These are your choices. God, of course, it's always this. The Sonics return, the Mariners win the World Series, or the Seahawks win another Super Bowl. I'm not going to lie, Seahawks Super Bowl is like third on my list. If is only it? it's, it's, I really, 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 really would love it. But I obviously, none of us have seen the Mariners in a World Series. Only team that hasn't been to one. And the Sonics return, the Sonics would be back in town. I'm it's still, between those two. I'm, still I'm going. I'm, I'm going Super Bowl. All of us have different answers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Uh, what's your go-to Super Bowl snack? Um, would pizza be considered a snack? I mean, that's kind of like it. that's like the centerpiece of. What the, do you most look forward to eating? When it comes to your Super Bowl spread, uh, probably some chips and some kind of dip. Man, my wife makes these uh, these wings. There was this show, or excuse me, this restaurant in Moscow, Idaho. We used to drive to called Wingers, and she found the Wingers recipe for the sauce. Mm-hmm. My goodness, Jennifer Bumpus, Wingers. Uh, yeah, wings in general. I just go all out on chips. I get like four different flavors. <laughs> Eat the whole bag. When it's just like you and Katie at home. <laughs> no, it is. It's gonna, there's going to be three people at the house. We're going to be like, ah, that's fine. Just eat all these. Uh, all right. Uh, last one here. Actually, let's do two because I like advice ones. Okay. Uh, what I need to know. It's my fiance's birthday on Sunday and she hates football. Uh, she wants to ski. How do I get out of it to watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> Roll oh, your ankle. Tough. Sprain your knee. Oh, that's a good one. You have to injure yourself. You yeah. have no choice. Babe, I can't do it. Yeah, you. I, 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 I say this, do this responsibly. You need to throw yourself down the stairs. <laughs> Curtis. I think you need to be up front and say, "Hun, this means a lot to me. I want to watch this. But it's her birthday. Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. listen to that part. <laughs> Never mind. It's her birthday well, buddy, on Sunday. it looks Sunday. like you're going skiing. <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice. Look at Roger's all logical, babe. This is what needs to happen. Yeah. This really matters this to me. This matters a lot to me. She's going to go. It's my birthday. I'll go get my skis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you at 10 tomorrow. Some really fun interviews. I'm not going to spoil anything other than to say big wide receiver show tomorrow for you guys. Uh, for Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Rost. Do not go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.